Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis 1-1. And as you're turning there, um, you saw a video of Alexa, but um, we're actually talking about Siri. Um, if you're like me, you ask Siri a lot of questions. You and Siri are having like, like, these conversations. Uh, some of you, maybe you talk to Siri more than you do your moms or your dads. Um, but, um, but Siri answers all the questions. It used to be like when I was a teenager, I'm going to sound old now, but when I was a teenager, we didn't have Siri. Um, Addison asked me, Daddy, when you were a boy, um, was everything in black and white? And I was like, I'm not that old, okay? Um, but um, we, didn't have, we didn't have Siri, so instead of, instead of like, when there was a debate, like, if Jed and I were going to debate if the Cowboys or the Raiders won more Super Bowls, the Cowboys, um, we, would, um, we, would ha- we would have to, like, like search, you know, get to a computer, we'd have to, you know, we'd have to look it up, and now you, know, you can just ask Siri. Um, and the truth is, if you were to ask Siri, what, what do you think Siri would say, Jed? Who won more Super Bowls, the Cowboys or the Raiders? Um, it'd be them boys. Um, so, uh, so, so Siri is nice. We can ask any kind of questions. But um, what about when it comes to the Bible? Um, maybe you've had an experience um, in, in church where you had some questions and people didn't really seem very interested in answering your questions. Um, we love to answer questions here. Um, if you're in my life group, um, we've dedicated like half of our life group nights to answering questions. And, you know, one of y'all was like, what is Song of Solomon about? So I was like, well, let's study that for the next three weeks. And that was weird. Um, so, um, so, but anyway, we love to answer questions here. And the whole idea that this series is based on is that the Bible has the answer to the question you're asking. If you have a question about God or you have a question about faith, you're going to find the answer right here. The Bible has the answer to the question that you're asking. Last week, we answered a real practical question that one of you asked, and it was, um, the question was, how do I study and understand? Like, how do I read and understand the Bible? And it was a really good question. We talked about that. We talked about um, how, you know, getting, in the Bible's like getting a grip on your hand, and you ask, what's right, what's wrong, how do I get right, how do I stay right? Um, tonight, we're going to one of you submitted, I, I, I leave the names off, uh, so you guys can stay anonymous. One of you submitted a question last week that I thought was really worth, like, diving into, considering. Um, and this is the question. This is the question, and you kind of heard about it in your tag group. I want to make sure I, this is exactly how you, re- how you submitted it, so I want to I read it the way you submitted it. How is it possible that God is able to have no beginning? That's a really deep question. That's a really good question. Um, and we're going to talk about that. How is it possible for God to not have a beginning? Um, your brains may hurt at the end of it because it's like one of those things, like, I don't know about you, but any, anybody else willing to admit that, like me, you think about things in the shower? Like, I do my best thinking in the shower. Like, you're like, everybody's like, you've been in there for like 30 minutes. I'm like, I'm thinking, you know, like, like I, I do my best thinking in the shower, you know, and, and I have these great ideas, and, you know, I, I shower at the gym, I work out at the gym, so, you know, I have these great ideas, so, like, you know, I'm, yeah, I, I'm in my towel, I'm running across the locker room to put the ideas in my phone that I get, I don't know, I get the best ideas in the shower, I don't know about you. But anyway, we're going to put our thinking caps on. We're going to think about the answer to this question. And we're going to start out, um, we're, going to st- we're going to start out in Genesis 1-1. At the very beginning of the Bible. So if you're, not, if you're one of those people, you have a hard time um, finding stuff in the Bible. This is going to be like one of the easiest starting points for you. And it's in Genesis 1-1. And here's what's really cool. Um, if you guys will bear with me for the next couple minutes... Uh, our lessons are no, you, we try to keep them no more than 20 minutes long. If you will bear with me, um, we're going to start in Genesis 1-1, and we're going to end in Revelation 21. 
We're going to work our way, not through the whole Bible, but we're going to work our way from the front of the Bible to the back of the Bible to find out how God can have no beginning and how that's possible. And it really makes a difference in your life. You know, some of the trivia questions like, how did, did Adam have a belly button or where did Cain get his wife? Like, when we, I see you, Ethan White. Uh, <laughs> Ethan sent that one. He's like, does Adam have a belly button? Here's my answer. I don't know. Bible doesn't say. Um, but, 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 but the answer to this question, it's really going to change the way that you live your life. I truly believe that. So in Genesis 1-1, God is eternal. And when we think about God being eternal, it means he had no beginning. How's that possible? We're going to talk about that. He had no beginning. He's still the same God today that he was when he had no beginning. We call that eternity past. And he's going to stay the same God Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It um, sounds like, what was that Taylor Swift song? We are never, ever. Anyway, that's what I was thinking about when I said ever, ever, ever. So God is eternal. How is that possible? So we're gonna, I got P words tonight. I tried to make them F words. Um, Watt and I did like mental gymnastics, got our thesauruses out. We couldn't come make them F words. So they're P words tonight. We have four P words about how we know that God is eternal and why that matters. And the first thing that, we, thing that we learned, it's in Genesis 1-1, we learned that God's eternity is proven. If you look at the first four words in the Bible, it will tell you everything you need to know about God. Genesis 1-1, we're going to read it. I'll read it out loud. You just kind of follow along with me. Ready? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What's so wild about this are the first four letters. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, there was nothing other than God. Before there was a, think about this one, before there was a beginning, there was God. Before there was such a thing as, imagine how smart God has to be to invent time, to invent space, to invent matter, and to invent the To make the people who made the cookies, we're certainly appreciative of that tonight, aren't we? Uh, In the beginning, God. This word beginning is the Jewish word rashith, and it means the beginning. It means the starting point of everything. At the beginning of everything, at the beginning of everything, there was God. Before there was the heavens, the spiritual realm, before there were angels and demons. Anybody seen that movie? That's a freaky movie. Um, Before there were angels and demons, there was God. Before there was a single blade of grass, there was God. God was before everything. And the Bible, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. How many of y'all sang that in in Sunday school? Jesus is eternal, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's proven in the Bible. Yeah, it's also proven in just the way that we think and in logic and in science. Um, I have a lot of respect for scientists. I have a lot of respect for guys that can do like, you know, they, they can do the whole derivative things, and they can plug stuff into equations, and they can, they can do research, and they have these peer review articles. I have a lot of respect for these guys, but you know what even the most atheistic or agnostic scientist would have to concede? If you were to talk to them about how everything came into being, they'd have to concede this, that there has to be an uncaused cause. Think about this. Where'd you come from? What was last Sunday? Where did you come from? Mommy. Where did mommy come from? Her mommy. Where did her mommy come from? You could go all the way back, 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 couldn't you? You came from somebody. That person came from somebody. 
the, everything has a cause. Where'd the world come from if you, if you don't believe in Jesus? Well, there's this big bang and these two planets like, you know, came together and somehow this explosion created, out of disorder came order. Well, where'd the two, where, where, did, where did the planets came from, come from that bang, banged together? Well, you know, they came from this, 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 this dark matter and this dark matter. Where'd that dark matter come from? At some point, you have to have something. At some point, there has to be something before the beginning. There has to be an uncaused cause. I believe in the Big Bang Theory. Some of you have heard this one. God said, let there be light, and bang, there it was. God said, let there be plants on the earth, and bang, there were the plants. I believe that God was the uncaused cause, and science confirms this, that there has to be an uncaused cause. The Bible proves it that God was the uncaused cause. Nothing, God, there was nothing that we come in contact with. George was created by God. Victoria was created by God. Reed was created by God. This stage that I'm sitting on was built by materials created by God. Everything was created by God. Some of you are afraid, and you've talked to me about this, you're afraid of demons. You're afraid, you're afraid of things in the spiritual realm? Well, guess who created the spiritual realm? God. The Bible says, without him, nothing was made that has been made. So if God created everything, that means everything is under the authority of God. That means there's nothing that happens that God can't fix. There's no problem that God can't solve. God is bigger than anything there's ever been. So God's eternity is proven from the Bible, and it's even proven by the logic and the natural understanding that God has placed in us. God's eternity is proven, but here's where it really matters to us. God's eternity is pictured. God's eternity is pictured. It's, it's created with this picture. So we started in Genesis, turn a couple pages over, or I should say over, to Exodus chapter 3, and God talks about why it's important that he's an eternal God, that he's a God that lives forever. And anybody needy and willing to admit it, I'm a needy person. I'm a needy person. Anybody willing to admit they're high maintenance? Okay, yeah. I, I, I'm, you know, some of you are willing to admit it, and you get some props for that. You know, you, you get some props for that. You're high maintenance. Did you know God uses high maintenance people too? Moses was what, if, if Moses was somebody's boyfriend, she'd be like, I can't stay with this guy, he's too high maintenance. He's too, he, he's too needy. Moses was a mama's boy. Moses, yeah, he was raised by like the queen of Egypt, like Moses was a mama's boy, okay? And Moses was also a runner. Some of you guys are runners too. You run away from every responsibility in your life and you, know, every, every, you, know, you run, 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 run. Well, that was Moses and then God shows up to Moses. You know how he shows up? He shows up as a burning bush. I've set a lot of things on fire. I've set this stage on fire. Um, I've set a lot of things on fire. And here's what I can tell you verifiably from my own experience. When things burn, they disintegrate. That's why it's so much fun. Like, I love burning things. Like, like <laughs> I love to burn things. I, I'm a little bit of a pyromaniac. That's why Brian always gets nervous when he's around me because he's a firefighter. Well, this bush, Moses looks over and he sees this bush catch on fire. And Moses is like, okay, something's weird here because this bush is burning, but 
all the leaves are staying intact. They're not even singed. And then all of a sudden, the bush starts talking to Moses. Moses is like, okay, this is even weirder. And then the bush says, Moses, this is the voice of God. And Moses is, at this point, in full freakout mode. Um, He takes off his shoes out of respect for God. He gets on his knees, and he says, God, what do you want from me? And God says, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt, because Moses ran away from Egypt. I want you to go back to Egypt, and I want you to tell the big, bad, powerful king of Egypt to let my people, the Jewish people who were enslaved, let my people go. And Moses is like, you got the wrong guy, God. Listen, God, I think you've already, since you're God, you probably know this, you know, but I'm high maintenance. I'm high maintenance Moses. Um, and I'm scared to do anything. And I'm supposed to go talk to Pharaoh, but I got this weird thing that when I get in front of a crowd, I can't talk. Anybody else like that when you have to give a speech at school? He's like, when I get in front of a crowd, I can't talk. And God, I'm afraid that when I go to tell the people of Israel to come with me, that I'm going to lead you into freedom because God said so. They're going to ask me all these questions, and I'm not going to know the answer. And Moses says, God, will you, I don't even know who you are, God. I don't even know your name. You haven't, like, when you introduce yourself to somebody, you're supposed to give a name. Like, God, you know, I know you're God, but, like, what's your name? Like, 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 is your name Fred? Like, is your name, like, you know, yeah, Ricky? Like, like, what, like, what's your name? God says here, in Exodus 3, 14, God gives his name, his personal name. Let's look and see what God's personal name is. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're supposed to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Verse 15, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac has sent me to you. God calls himself this name, I am. When you look at verse 15, maybe, how many of you in your Bibles in verse 15, um, it says the Lord in all caps. Anybody in your Bible say that? The Lord in all caps. The Hebrew behind this is the name Yahweh. And that's the name that God gave Moses to give to the people of Israel. His personal name, Yahweh. The reason it says the Lord here, it's this big, long, complicated technical explanation I'm not going to get into. But here's the long, yeah, here, here it is in 15 seconds, okay? You ready? Like everybody just bear with me for the next 15 seconds. Like hold, you know, hold on tight, like, like, like bear down and just get ready, okay? Here we go. Here's the big, long technical technical explanation. Because it was God's personal name, the Jewish people thought it was so special and it was so important and it was so holy that they thought it was wrong for people to actually say that name. So instead of any time in the Jewish scriptures God referred to himself as Yahweh, they crossed over it and they put God's, another name that God refers to himself sometimes as Adonai, which is the Lord. Years and years and years and years and years later, people who were translating the Hebrew scriptures into English for the King James Version, they discovered, hey, wait, God's name that he refers to himself is not Adonai, but it's Yahweh. Problem, Hebrew, Hebrew, at at that time, the Hebrew language didn't have vowels, so it's kind of weird to say words without vowels. So what the translators did was they took the German translation of Yahweh, and they added the vowels of Adonai, and in the Bible, they put Jehovah. Anybody ever heard of God's name Jehovah? So when you see, in your Bible, you see it's in all caps, the Lord, that means Yahweh. And if you were to look up Yahweh in its original Hebrew, this is what it means. It's the state of being verb for Hebrew, which means I am. So long story short, all that to say, when you see the Lord in the Old Testament, which you see it a lot, what it means is Yahweh, 
I am. So when God, Moses is like, God, I don't know what to say. I'm high maintenance. You, you got to tell me everything I say. So God's like, first thing, you need to go tell them my name, my personal name. I am. Why did God choose? God could have chosen any name. I think, Matt, I think Matthew's a pretty, pretty swell name. But God didn't choose to name himself Matthew. Yeah, God didn't choose to name himself Benjamin. Yeah, God didn't choose to name himself Brian. Although Brian's a pretty swell name too. God chose to name himself I am because that means that God is self-existing. He don't need anybody to make him exist. He doesn't need anybody to keep him alive. He doesn't need anyone to do anything for him. But here's where it gets real personal. Moses, remember he's needy. Who here's needy? Where are my needy people at? Remind me who my needy people are. I'll call you needy Edie. How's that? <laughs> um, anyway, here, so here's where it could, some of you don't raise your hands, but you're needy. you got something you need in your life. How many of you would say, I'm not a needy person maybe, but there's something in my life I need? Like, there's something in my life I need. You know, God, I, need I need something to happen in my life. How many of y'all need a good grade in a class and you don't have it quite yet? Okay, yeah, so see, you have needs. You have needs, you just need to think about it. Moses was a needy person, and here's what God said to Moses. I am Yahweh, I am what you need. Because God needs nothing, he's all that I need. Think about that, because God doesn't need anything, God is all that I need. So what do you need tonight? You know what's cool is in the Old Testament, Yahweh is teamed up with, God's self-existing eternal name is teamed up with some modifiers that tell us some things that God is for us. So do you need provision? Do you need do you need? This stuff in your life, I'm not talking about you need cash to buy another, like a, a, third, a third iPhone X, and, you know, but you, you don't know how you're going to go to college because you're like, my parents can't pay for college, and the college I want to go to is really expensive. I need money, and I don't have it. You know, guess what? In Genesis 22, God is referred to as Yahweh or Jehovah, Yahweh Jireh, the God who provides all of you all have graduated. So you weren't on this team, but April was and Kate was. Team Poland, our, for the first mission trip I led as a youth pastor, we decided to go on a mission trip that cost each student $2,292. Ain't that crazy? Was I stupid or what? To make that the first mission trip we, we ever did. It was a month out. And the total cost for the trip for the whole team, $48,000. Guess how much money was in our mission trip account? $19,000. And in a week, the money for the plane tickets was due, and yeah, it, was getting, it, it was bad. So our whole mission team got together and we prayed. And we prayed to Jehovah, Yahweh, Jireh, and guess what? Within a week, within a week, our mission trip was paid for. And it wasn't some big way got whipped out a checkbook and wrote a check. It was probably almost 100 people giving what they could. And we went. Team Poland went. We've got a picture downstairs to prove it. You know, been there, got a t-shirt to prove it. We went and God worked because God is Jehovah Jireh. He's Yahweh Jireh. Do you need healing in your life? Do you need healing in your life? You need to talk to Yahweh Rapha the God who heals in the Old Testament. I feel like it's Matt McClay story hour, but we were in Las Vegas, 
and uh, we left Addison, my, fi- my daughter, at home. She was like two at the time, one or two years old, and she developed a bladder infection while we were in Las Vegas on the other side of the country, and she was at my mom's house, and she hadn't slept for over 24 hours, and if she wasn't going to sleep soon, my mom was going to have to take her to the hospital. I'll never forget, Musgrave was with me on that one, and we were sitting in the Rainforest Cafe um, in the MGM Grand um, uh, Casino, not like gambling, but yeah, it, yeah, hotel, um, and we're, we're eating, and I, I was on the phone with the travel agent trying to get a ticket for April to go back to Huntington so she could be with Addison, and we were freaked out. Later that day, our mission team and the people that, were, you know, that we were serving with at that church there, everybody got together and prayed for Addison. As soon as we said amen, April got a call that Addison had fallen asleep. Um, Yahweh Rafe. The God who heals. Is there somebody in your life who needs healing? God says, I am what you need. I'll breeze through the rest of these because they're, they're long. Do you need victory? Do you need victory over something? You need to meet Yahweh Nisi. The Lord is our banner. The Lord is our victory. In Exodus 17, do you need, do you, do you feel like you've sinned so much you just could never be made clean again and you can never be made right with God? You need to meet, this is a hard one to pronounce, Yahweh Tsikenu. Don't try to say that one. <laughs> Just Google it. The Lord is our righteousness in Jeremiah 23. By the way, if you get on the app, I'll have these, all these notes are on here. So if you're trying to write stuff down and you, you can't understand what I'm saying, just, 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 just hold on. Do you need direction? Are you lost? You're like, you know, I'm taking these tests and I'm supposed to write down what I'm supposed to major in and I have no idea. Like, like, like I have no idea. I don't even know what I want for dinner tonight. Like, I don't, how am I supposed to know what I'm going to major in? You need Yahweh Rohai. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my leader. Do you need peace? Does your house resemble like Europe in World War II? Like, like here comes dad in the panzer tank. Like, you know, and mom counters back, you know, with the Luftwaffe, you know, like, like and, you, and you, your, your house, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of funny unless it's your house, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of funny unless, unless you're the one who's wondering if your mom and dad are going to stay together. Is your life defined by fighting and defined by war? You need to be Yahweh Shalom. You need Yahweh Shalom in your life. He is the God of peace. God introduces himself as Yahweh. I am the one who has power over everything because he outlasts everything and he pre-exists everything and he is what you need. God says I am what you need because God needs nothing. He's all that I need. Throughout the whole Old Testament... (laughs) Throughout the whole Old Testament, throughout the whole Old Testament, you see Yahweh meeting the needs of his people. You say, well, Matt, that's great, but what about the New Testament? I'm glad you asked. Point number three, God's eternity is personified. Turn to John chapter 8. Look how far we've made it through the Bible already. Give you guys a pat on the back. Give the person next to you a pat on the back. You've made it two-thirds of the way through the Bible. That's awesome. Um, Personified. Look at John chapter 8. Verse 57, Jesus is in a, when I say in a fight, I'm not talking about fisticuffs. When Jesus is in a verbal confrontation with these people who were always trying to trip Jesus up. They were the religious leaders of the day named the Pharisees. And they asked Jesus a question because Jesus makes this statement. He says, before, um, he he says, uh, I'm older than Abraham. Okay, you got to understand what's going on here. When Jesus was alive, Abraham had lived over a thousand years ago. 
That would be like me saying, I'm older than Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan lived a long time ago, like a thousand years ago. You'll learn about that in history class if you pay attention in history class. <laughs> so, um, so, so that would be me, like, me saying I, I, I'm older than some guy that lived a thousand years ago. And here's what they say to him in verse 57. They say, Jesus, you're not even 50 years old. They said, you've seen Abraham? And this is what Jesus says. He says, very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. And then in verse 59 it says, at this, when they heard him say, I am, they picked up stones to kill him. But Jesus was able to slip away. Why did he get the Pharisees so worked up that they tried to kill him? He said, I am. Now, it, you know, we, we can't tell this for sure because John was written in Greek, but most scholars believe that because of the Pharisees, listen, 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 that because of the Pharisees' reaction, that they wanted to kill him, that Jesus used the personal name of God in Jewish that at that time was forbidden to be uttered. The reason they picked him up stones to kill him is because he claimed to be God. He claimed to be Yahweh. Jesus claimed to be God. So, yeah, and I tell you this a lot of times, you, you only have two choices about what you're going to do with Jesus. He's either crazy or he's God. Because nobody claims to be God that's not crazy, unless they prove that they are God. But can I tell you this? Jesus proves that he is God. If you keep looking, um, ah, yeah, keep turning. This is, this is fun. Um, keep turning. Um, the Pharisees arrest Jesus with Judas. You've probably heard the story. Jesus, Judas portrays Jesus. John chapter 18 Verses 5 through 6, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane praying. These people come to kill him. The Pharisees ask him, in verse 5, are you Jesus of Nazareth? What does Jesus say? I am. Now, some of your version, how many of your, your versions say I am he? That word he was not in, if you look up in a, in a Greek Bible, that word he is not in the Greek Bible. So the best way to, to write that out is I am. That's how Jesus responded. I am. What happened when he said I am? It says they drew back and they fell to the ground. Jesus says one word and everybody goes and falls down. Because he used the personal name of God. You know, I am is bad English, but it's really good theology. God's eternity was personified. And how did Jesus prove that he was Yahweh? Because he was killed. They put nails in his hands and a spear in his side. They put him in a, in a grave, sealed it up, and he was dead for three days. Three days later, he brought himself back to life. Easter. He brought himself back to life. People don't bring themselves back to life. We see stories where Jesus has brought people back to life, like Lazarus. People don't bring themselves back to life unless they were the ones who created life, unless they were Yahweh. One more point, we'll get out of here. Turn to Revelation chapter 4. We learn that God's eternity is also promised to us. I've got a picture up here while you're turning. This is the oldest person who's alive today. Her name, I had to write it down because, I mean, I would never be able to pronounce this, is Chio Miyako. It's a lady in Japan. She, she is 117 years old. She was born in 
the year 1901. And I don't know who this guy is in the picture, you know. You've got, you've got old Chico right there, and then you've got this guy who's like, I take picture with Otis Lady on Earth. You know, but, um, but, 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 but here, here's, here's what I'm saying. <laughs> here's what I'm saying. Even people that we think live a long time, the sad truth and reality is that they will pass away. The newest car you could ever get, you get a big Range Rover, you get a Rolls Royce, guess what? One day that car is going to be in a junkyard at some redneck's house. The greatest things in life will pass away, but eternity is something that Jesus offers to us. Look at, look at Revelation 4. This is the coolest thing. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you're going to be here, and you're going to see this. But it shows this scene in heaven where these angels start worshiping God. The, the angels are freaky looking. If you think angels are, are beautiful, wait till you see these angels. Like, there's a reason that in the Bible every time, there's a whole, I told you I can't stay focused tonight. There's a reason that in the Bible every time there's an angel, people are fearful. Because angels are soldier warriors of God. They're not, you know, little effeminate men with, with wings on, okay? So anyway, um, these angels, it says in Revelation 4 verse 8, that day and night, this is the scene in heaven, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, this is the eternity of God, he was, he is, and he is to come. And guess what that paraphrases from? It's from the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, and guess what word they used for the Lord in Isaiah 6, 3? Yahweh, I am the eternal God. Here he is being worshipped for all eternity. By these angels. Turn over a couple more pages and we'll be done. A couple more pages and we'll be done. Revelation 21, verse 6. Jesus talking. This is what he says in verse 6. When a new heaven and a new earth are created, we're in heaven with God. This is what Jesus says. It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega. In the Greek alphabet, the first letter was alpha, the last letter was omega. It would be like Jesus saying, I'm the A to Z in English. I am the A to Z. The beginning and the end. I'm eternal. We see Jesus as the eternal God. We see Yahweh as the eternal God from the first verse in the Bible to the last chapter in the Bible. What does that mean to me? That God is everything you could ever need. Do you need to grow in your Christian life? Like some of you sitting around like growing, like, and you're like, man, I want to grow, but I, I just can't. Jesus said, I am the true vine. Some of you don't know what to do because you're like, I want to be saved, but I really don't know how. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whatever you need in life. God is. God is all you need. We think we need people. We think we need stuff. We think we need things. God is what you need. Because God needs nothing. He's all that I need. Uh, we're going to pray, and then we're going to circle up and get out of here. Uh, so let me pray for you guys, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Father, thank you so much for being you. Uh, it, it's hard for us to imagine that you had no starting point. But God, you are exactly what we need because of that. Um, 
God, we're all, to be honest, we're all needy people. There's all things in our life that we need. Uh, but God, thank you for being everything we could ever need. So I pray for people that are searching in their lives, um, that they will find you as the one they need. Um, God, I pray for people that are kind of grown, just kind of bored with the whole Christianity and living for God thing, that they will realize that they are utterly dependent on you. Um, God, thank you for being the great God of heaven. Thank you for being Yahweh. Thank you for being the great I am. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.